that we do carry stories of, of brokenness, um, but then we also carry these stories of goodness where God said it is good, it is very good. You're listening to Seeking More, a winter conference podcast, a space where we go beyond the topics you hear at our annual conferences and seek to explore more with people who are passionate about continuing the conversation. Here are your hosts, Rachel and Daniel. Hey everyone, we're glad you're here for another episode of Seeking More. Uh, Again, I'm Rachel. And I'm Daniel. And we have a special guest today. Um, She is Renee Begay. And so, uh, Renee, we're so glad that you're here. Um, And we were just chatting with you a little bit, getting to know you, but I'd love for you to just share a little bit of where you are at, where you're serving, and maybe something that excites you about this next couple weeks in the end of the year. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Renee Begay. Um, I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, married to Donnie Begay, and I have uh, three kids, uh, three girls. Uh, Natalia is going to be 12 soon in a couple days. Um, Kaya is nine, and Perry is three. We live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like I said, and we are co-founders of Nations Ministry. Um, It's a ministry that has a particular outreach but is not exclusive of um, Native Native students and Native communities. Um, We've been on staff with CREW for, I think, uh, 13 years. So um, it's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And what excites me, uh, I guess during this time, I mean, like it's near Christmas time, but um so those are the themes like just being with family and stuff but um particularly with given the opportunity to speak um at san francisco winter conference i'm just excited to kind of uh continue um talking about the stories that we carry and um uh this year's theme is good news good invitations and so um uh i think just thinking about um the good news and what it means and how it's presented and um, what are its implications if we um, don't do it in a good way. And so um, those are, for now, like right now, I'm like thinking about all those themes and just getting excited about that opportunity to be able to interact with students in San Francisco. Cool. Yeah, that is really exciting. Well, we're glad to uh, hear more about these things and spend time with you today. So looking forward to that. Daniel, would you want to jump in with the... Yeah, you know, um, Rachel, you were able to interview and and talk with uh, some of the speakers from Destino Conference last year, and Renee was able to share at the Epic Conference, which is a conference uh, with Cruz Asian American Ministry, and um, yeah, uh, you talked a lot about evangelism and colonization and i just love to hear you kind of unpack that a little here for us can you do that yeah yeah um so um i had the privilege of speaking at epic west coast conference um last year and i was given the opportunity to speak three talks um which was challenging for me but i thought it was really cool how it how god used it all and um, so the theme of Epic West Coast Conference was, I think it was like, had something to do with seeds. I know that there was like this, um, growth type theme, like seed. Um, 
And so I used that and I kind of went off on um, uh, the first talk, which was seed stories that I titled and how um, seed stories like the, the truth about stories is that's all we are. That's a quote from Thomas King. He's an author, a native author. But that struck me because I was like, oh, yeah, if you do really think about um, your life or if I think about my life, I, that's all I carry is just stories and stories that were told to me. I carry those things. And, and, and so um, as I thought about my faith and um, the uniqueness of my faith being um, from the Zuni tribe, following Jesus like those two um, throughout history, I guess, wouldn't, looking at it, wouldn't seem to um, go together or like uh, make sense or whatever, but like that's, that's who I am. And, um, and then as I thought about more about, um, you know, how the, how the message of Jesus has been um, given to native tribes because we're all very different. There's like 576 tribes, I think, that are federally recognized within the U.S. So that's just the U.S. alone. Um, there are tribes that are trying to get federally recognized by the government. But for now, there's like 576, I think, roughly. Um, and so we're not a monolith. Um, each tribe is very different. Each tribe has their own way of governance, their own way of being, their their own languages. And so I just thought about how, like, throughout history, there's been 500 years of evangelism toward Native tribes, and the, the, the Christian church hasn't had a good reputation or, like, a good outcome of that, um, because out of those 500 years of evangelism, only 3% of those native tribes have, or those people have um, claimed to follow Jesus. And so it's just kind of like, how have these stories of um, evangelism affected people like my tribe, like my tribe and other tribes in the U.S. And, and then like the word colonization comes up and um, it's just like an activity where uh, a people took on the task of trying to civilize um the other and so like they um they based on their biases or like whatever um stereotypes that they believed in um elevated themselves to be civilized and then as they were um taking on this activity of claiming territory or land um they began to uh describe natives as irredeemable savages and so um so those types of things, like how there was this intention of bringing good news to the rest of the world, but then it um, it appropriated activity that was colonistic and and territorial and overpowering and um, yeah. So just using military power to convert people and um, so yeah, just kind of like inhumane stuff. Like those those are the things that. Um, I kind of talked about at Epic West Coast Conference and it's pretty heavy. But as I thought about like the stories that we carry, that was kind of the thing that came up for me. And so now I'm like wrestling with how do I carry this story of colonization? And yet I'm, I see the person of Jesus and I've, I've, um, I've experienced him to be very good. Um, like, how do I, 
how do I reconcile those two things? And then which which brings up another another seed story of um, creation. And so when you visit other people groups, you always hear, I mean, like if you listen long enough, um, you start learning that people groups and tribes and nations and and um, and peoples, they have creation stories um, that trace back centuries and like how how creator God was um, given giving the, these creation stories to these people groups. And then um, you think about the story of creation and how how the whole um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Trinity, worked in mutuality and um, uh, worked in cooperation and community to to create, you know, creation. So like you hear, you read Genesis one, and it's like, let us, let us, you know make light and all these things like um, making land and so you start seeing this story of creation unfolding and then then you see that after all that um, creator is saying it is good it is very good and he keeps saying that it is good it is very good and so you carry that creation story inside you it's embedded in you that we come from wholeness we come from uh trinity that works in mutuality uh we come from cooperation we come from uh communion uh, we come from unity so we come from those stories but then it's also um embedded in our stories also is these um stories of like for me colonization or just like uh biases stereotypes uh, wrestling with the other you know like as we try to live um, as humans, all these things like uh, the brokenness of the stories that we carry um, from just either our lives or from generations before, we carry those things with us too. And so how do we recon- reconcile those two things? Um, and then how do, how do we see God, you know, using those things to like redeem and restore? Um, so I think that was just mainly like what I was um, hopefully trying to convey in these things is that um that we do carry stories of of brokenness um but then also we also we also carry these stories of goodness where god said it is good it is very good and so to kind of um, see our lives as like that god wants to use it and he wants to restore us and and use us for his glory and or that we can you know take part in glorifying his name and um, in our identity and so we don't have to compartmentalize anything or we don't have to cut off anything about us um, that, that that's who he made us to be and that we can fully embrace that. Yeah, it sounds like God's been showing you really tangibly how to hold things in tension. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, if you look at my Twitter, I think that was one of the words that I used. My Twitter description was just like, um, trying to trying to get rid of the binary, like the either or and the this or this, but like really holding stuff in tension, like really wrestling with it and really being okay with the gray area or like the gray spaces because God is there. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, yeah. Do you think you can share more? Uh, just you know your personal story, like like you know like how Jesus became so real to you. Um, 
and kind of your perspective on that? Yeah, um, so I grew up um, in my tribe, the Zuni tribe, um, following the, the religious way of life, and, and it was all really good. Like, I had so much, um, and I still do, like, have, have pride in, like, how I was raised and how um, the Zuni way of living was just very um, holistic. It um, Practicing the religion was part of just everyday life. Like, it wasn't just, like, a Sunday thing, but it was it was just weaved throughout your day, um, giving thanks for, you know, like, food and and the, the blessings that you had and um, taking part in the ceremonies and everything. And, and Zuni has, like, a... Um, a a priesthood and an esoteric group and so um so I didn't fully understand a lot of it like um there's a really good way balance that um Zuni works um in the, in their in their religious way of life where um the men carry like the religious duties and then the the women are kind of like um supporters and if any of those two things were missing that it wouldn't work out and so it works out beautifully when it does work out beautifully it's really cool to see the whole village working together um to ask for blessings um and so i grew up doing these ceremonies and rituals but then i was also a very curious child and that got me in trouble a lot because i was asking a lot of questions that were taboo um, you know, like when we would feed, um, our ancestors, the spirit of our ancestors, I just kind of be like, well, why are we doing this? And then I get in trouble. Cause I'd be like, cause they'd be like, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like, and I understood, I mean, like I was a little girl who was just curious and trying to understand what was happening and who we were praying to exactly. Um, and and so I was, um, did my best to be obedient in that way of living. And then my mom sent me to a Christian high school because of the academic um, rating, <laughs> the, the star rating. And so, um, but what I really appreciated about my family was that um, they told me, um, so this, this school that you're going to is going to be talking about Jesus. Um, and we want you to be respectful. So when they pray, you pray the way they do. And so they really taught me to be very respectful of other people's beliefs. And um, and so I went to school there and, I and you know, you have to sit through the chapels and like these people that come in to talk about how they follow Jesus and like they share their testimonies and their, you know, all these things. And so I'd be sitting there listening and then I started asking, you know, like, who's, you know, who's Jesus? And then I start watching my classmates who were following Jesus. And then I asked them, like, you know, you prayed about this, like, did, did God answer it? And then they say, yeah, like, this is how he answered my prayer. And I'd be like, huh. So I just started like getting really curious again of like, okay, who is this Jesus? And like, um, like, can I pray to him? And can I follow him? And so it took over a year for me to fully decide because I knew that the the things that Jesus and like the story that he carried, I knew that it had a huge effect on my decision to walk in faith with him to, toward my family. Like I knew that it would completely um, disrupt everything. Um, and so I was fully aware of that. And so that's why I was so hesitant to follow Jesus, because I was like, if I follow him, then it's really going to it's really going to disrupt 
the my relig- religious way of living and then it's going to confront all these things where I have to like really decide like how do I do this and so once I decided um, to follow Jesus there were these moments of like okay so now that I'm a, a quote unquote Christian what does a Christian look like and is it okay to be Zuni and so for me like in my young faith I was like oh I have to completely wipe off everything Zuni and I have to be a quote-unquote Christian whatever that looked like and so that meant that that didn't include Zuni Zuni anything like any cultural ways or anything and so like I this pendulum swing I went all the way to like one side where I was just like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything Zuni I'm not gonna talk Zuni I'm not gonna like participate in any cultural events and so like I completely I completely like denied everything that was Zuni and then um as I was practicing that like my family was just like what is going on like what happened (laughs) and then I told them like you know I decided to follow Jesus and which um really broke a lot of my family's heart and like that that really disrupted like our relationship because we were just like what's happening what you know what's going on and and then and then as the years went by like and as I was growing in my walk with God um his Holy Spirit was like telling me this is not who I made you to be like there was these like prompts constantly of just like you're Zuni you're Zuni like this is not you know this is not why I made you this way to like completely deny your identity um and so like I started, you know, asking questions again of like, okay, so then so then if Jesus made me Zuni, how do I follow him, you know, in my identity? And so that kind of I mean, that's been over like what, twenty two years of following Jesus. Like, um my my native elder, Uncle Terry LeBlanc, um, he he talks about this pendulum swing that people go through where like you go all all one side and then the pendulum swings all the way to the other side but he he's always um encouraged me to like grab that pendulum and to find a balance in it and so he's always he's always encouraging me just grab that pendulum Renee like you just need to grab that pendulum (laughs) and so so that's kind of been like my encouragement I guess as like as I've learned how to um figure out what it means to follow Jesus in my Zuni identity. It doesn't mean that I completely cut off my Zuni identity or deny it. Um, but then it doesn't also mean it doesn't also mean that I am ashamed of being a Jesus follower, you know? And so like how do I do those two? And so he's been helping me do that. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. I'm sure that's like beautiful to see that like balance and middle ground, but hard along the way to figure out like what that looks like and I'm sure so many like students can relate to that even of like the decisions that they make and how it impacts their whole family it's not just mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow Jesus and that's me and that's it but like it really impacts their whole family and mm-hmm. can really throw things off even though it's a great thing to follow Jesus and like the challenge that comes with like the the family relationship 
aspect. Um, so if you're willing, I'd love to hear of what it has looked like to grab that pendulum, if you will, and like see that middle ground and even how it's been with your family in, in the meantime, as you've been walking with Jesus these 22 years. Yeah. Um, you know, when you make the decision to follow Jesus, it does affect your family. It does disrupt a lot of things in a good way, but then also in painful ways too, because your family is um, in this groove of like relating with each other, even in its dysfunction and like even in its um, um, good things, like it just, um, there's this, you know, this kind of like wave effect that happens, this ripple effect. And um, with my family, I just, I feel so bad sometimes because like, I just always wondered if I was really overzealous in a lot of like my faith (laughs) Um, in the beginning to where it may have hurt them or like if I said some things that like hurt their feelings and, and like, I just, I just have to continue to keep in that that conversation with my family and then I know that my family also was very disappointed because like I mean this is a tribe that has you know been surviving and like thriving for centuries like you know um yeah so we've been we've been thriving for centuries and like we have this like amazing creation story and so like for them to see me follow Jesus it was just almost like we've seen what the church has done to like our native peoples. Like I'm sure that they were just so nervous and so worried about the decision that I made. And, and I know that I had conversations with some of my family members where they said they were disappointed in me. And then that, and then that broke my heart because, you know, like for, for people of color or for ethnic communities, like that's not our intention. Like we, we understand the weight of like carrying on, you know, um, a good, good way of living and a a way that like brings honor to our families and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, to hear those words that like I disappointed my family. I was just like, what do I do? Like, (laughs) I don't know what happened. And this is not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be be disrespectful. I didn't want to like hurt my family's feelings, but I like it did. It affected them. And so I think the key for me was um, just praying throughout that time where um, I was just really sensitive to to God's voice about what to do. And I can honestly say that over these 20 years of following Jesus, he's 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 kept my mouth closed Um, because there were there have been times where I've just prayed and asked, like, Lord, can I just tell them about you? And um but then I knew that probably the way I would say it would be like jarring <laughs> or like overzealous. And so um, I feel like the Lord kind of just, um, you know, gently kept my mouth closed and like gave me eyes of observation and eyes of understanding throughout these years to where I, um, I've demonstrated my faith definitely because they've seen me and my husband and our three girls grow up in front of them. Um, They've seen the stuff that we're doing um, and they hear about our travels and they ask us how things went and stuff like that. And so when they ask, we tell them, but it's not like I'm like 
being real forceful about trying to convert them or anything like that. It's just more like taking on these eyes of observation and understanding with them and being very careful with what I say. And then, um, and then keeping that conversation open, even when there was that pain where like they told me that they were disappointed in me. Um, you know, like there's, it's, you you can, I mean, I'm not telling people what to do, but like you can, you're free to like cut off that relationship. You can do that. But like, for me, it was just like, I want to demonstrate, you know, the love that God has shown me, um, you know, pouring out to them. But I don't want to do it in a way that like continues to hurt them. And so it was just always this like, you know, praying through like how to how to act, how to react how to um, interact with my family and how to love them and how to accept their love for me, even though there was that pain between us. And I think, um, I don't know, just like prayer, <laughs> respect and patience, like just really helped um, just throughout those 20 years. And, um, you know, I had... I had a conversation with my uncle who, um, you know, he, he was just like, I've been watching you and your family. And he was like, I know that I'll, um, I'll never set foot inside a church. He said, but just from watching you guys and the stuff that you you're doing and the way you guys treat your daughters, he said, I started, um, he said, I started reading the Bible and I agreed with everything that was said in there. He goes, I may never put my feet inside the church, but he goes, everything that the Bible said, he goes, I agree with. So he was like, so just keep doing what you guys are doing because it's a good thing. And we see that it's a good thing. I think just waiting on the Lord. Like, I know that there was moments where I was just wanting something to happen um, in that quick year or whatever. But I think just really um, being expectant of him to do stuff in my heart um, in alignment with what he's doing. Um, it's just been really cool to watch. And then, um, even my family is able to see, you know, the things that, that I'm doing and they're able to like speak into the things that I can do and that I can't do. Um, you know, as far as like what's cultural and then where, where that kind of, that line kind of crosses over to like religious. And so there's been moments where like I've had, um, where I've, where I've participated in, in the cultural activities and the ceremonies. And then my cousin was able to say, no, you don't do this because they understand my faith enough to where they're, they're like, oh, she follows Jesus. So like, so you don't do this part. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Like I would have never known for myself, like what to do and what not to do. But because we had that relationship that continued a relationship, even though it was painful, they were able to see like who I follow or like who I, who I give my prayers to, who I give, give glory to. And they were able to say, no, you don't do this part. So I was like, whoa. <laughs> so it's really cool how, how God's doing that. And I'm really grateful that I didn't like that. I haven't hopefully haven't said anything that like creates more pain. Yeah. I feel like as I hear your story, like, you know, like uh, in crew, we talk a lot about being led in the power of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like um, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And uh, a fruit of that is uh, 
the forbearance mm-hmm. that you have mm-hmm. and that you exhibit. So it's just really encouraging. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a young whippersnapper who, <laughs> who wants to see things happen, mm-hmm. you know, and like, um, I get discouraged easily and I tend to give up when things, um, take a, take time. So I think that's just super encouraging to see God work in, in his timing. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like um, forming our theology too, because like if we get if we get frustrated about not being able to see fruit right away, like you kind of have to sit back and say, like, what does that say about me? And then what does that say about my belief in who God is? (laughs) Because it's kind of like we like we're anxious to like have things happen so quickly, Um, but it's is that who God is? Like, is he sitting there wringing his hands, like saying like, oh, you gotta, you know, this has to happen right away. But I think from just being able to see like how my interactions with my family and like uh, getting to see how God works, like he still works, even though like, to me, it doesn't seem like he is, or like, to me, it doesn't seem like he's doing it in my timing, I guess. Like I've been able to have enough, like, oh, okay, I won't, I won't say anything <laughs> or like, I'll just kind of watch and observe, um, to be able to see like that, that God is, is, he is doing something there, there, there's the seen and the unseen. And so the stuff that is unseen, I trust that he's doing something <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, it's, um, but it takes a lot of like, even just faith to be able to wait to, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah kind um, of that gray area you were you were mentioning earlier that God's in the in the gray area. Uh, yeah, I was gonna just like we did a podcast um, a while back with uh, Matt Michelatus about evangelism, mm-hmm. and you know you just shared kind of like some of you you've added to that in the sense of like the history of it, and especially you use the word. Um, the wartime tactics that, mm. that have been associated with it. Mm-hmm. So I would just love to hear like your your thoughts on, you know, how college students can still be bold and still take initiative mm-hmm. with that sensitivity and, you know, that, that you exhibit, you know, if you have any thoughts to that. Yeah. Um, so there's this quote that, that Donnie and I like to share from um, Randy Woodley. Um, he's a native elder um, Cherokee from Kitawa. Um, band and so he um he said this uh, there is no place where we can go where jesus is not already present um so so we use that quote all the time like when we have um because we we host summer mission um to the clinket tribe in cake alaska and a majority of our summer mission students are um are white. And so, um, it's a, it's a lot of unlearning that we do, um, in the beginning with them where we tell them this quote is like, there's, there's no place that you can go where Jesus has, has, um, not already been present. Like he's already there. And just like that, those, um, creation stories that we carry, um, like everyone has a creation story. And so, or their people groups or their people have a creation story. And so that means that creator 
has embedded himself and his story into into you know all of humanity and so it's like okay if we if we if we can acknowledge that and we can acknowledge that that wherever we are bringing the good news to or like even just that wording we're not bringing good news we're we're actually taking part in what the holy spirit is doing we're not like the um we choose to like we have to begin to start unlearning and saying that we remove ourselves um because so much of evangelism has been taught by um western westernized um you know efforts is that like i'm the one bringing civilization to you or like i'm the one bringing you know ways of being right or i'm the one that's coming in to like help you and so there's just like this um unequal footing already um based off of biases based off of stereotypes and so so if we can kind of if we can push that aside and start you know like unlearning those things and helping our our brains to think okay uh every people group share uh carries a creation story that creator has given to them and then if we acknowledge that there is n- there is no place where where we can go where Jesus has not already been so we acknowledge already that that Jesus has already been there you know showing himself to these communities um I don't know. I don't know for for you, but f- when I say that to myself, that that takes a lot of pressure off of me to have to do something or to like have to see something happen. It's just more like, okay, I get to be a part of what God is already doing, like uh, if he chooses to use me in that moment, but even still like just me being me and like um, you know, loving him and following him, like that's that's, you know, growing into the image and likeness of God like that's that's what he asks of me he asks me to give all of my heart soul mind and strength to him and so for me individually if i can do those things like i'm i'm already you know taking part in glorifying his name and if i have the opportunity to go out and share my faith or be um be connected to someone who is um wanting to know more about Jesus then like I have that that blessing and the opportunity to be able to take part in that and then um there's another quote that we use with um from our native elder Ter- Terry Wildman um I don't know if you recognize his name but he's helping to translate the um the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John into the first uh, first nations version So it's a lot yeah so he's he's writing or he's um translating um the gospels into like a indigenous perspective. Oh cool. Um but what he says about evangelism he said that evangelism isn't winning people over to your theological beliefs. True evangelism is demonstrating the love of God and representing Jesus to others in a way that helps them see who he really is. Wow. And so So we've Donnie and I have had a lot of help from our native elders to kind of form this narrative based off of like what what's happened to us as a people group. Um and then, you know, like reframe the thinking, unlearn a lot of the things that have been, you know, given to us or like forced upon us and then um unlearn it and then reframe the thinking that okay, you know, this is this is what we're doing when we 
when we encourage students to like step out in faith, it's just this acknowledgement that Jesus has already been there from the beginning. His spirit is at work already. And if he chooses to use us, you know, then then we gladly take part, you know, in in what he's called us to do. So can you um, even just say that quote one more time? I think it was really powerful. It, it holds a lot. And I would just want everybody to be able to like even hear it just one more time. Yeah. Evangelism isn't winning people over. Um, to your theological beliefs. True evangelism is demonstrating the love of God and representing Jesus to others in a way that helps them see who he really is. Yeah, and and before I forget, I think you've mentioned so many um, authors and experts. Uh, We'd love to just get a list from you or you can share them again and I'd love to put them in the the description of the podcast for people to read more about. I think that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a, a podcast talking about uh, delving deeper into topics of Winter Conference. And I know uh, Nations uh, kind of has their version of, uh, has your version of Winter Conference. Uh, it's yeah. called um, Would Jesus Eat Fry Bread? Uh, could you uh-huh. kind of explain that name <laughs> and kind of share it? I think it's such a cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Mark Charles, the speaker um, that talks mostly about the doctrine of discovery and the founding of the nation, he, as he was traveling around speaking, um, uh, he knew us because we all went to the same high school. Um, and he would just kind of check in with us and ask us how ministry's going and stuff. And then he was also friends with Megan and Willie Krishke with Native InterVarsity. And he saw that both of us were both both sets of couples were doing the same thing with Native ministry and that we were trying to put on student conferences um, just within our own organization. And then he just kind of brought up the idea of like, hey, why don't we do this together? And so we all got together, um, Mark Charles, uh, Native InterVarsity and um, Nations with crew. And then we started planning this student conference and then he asked the question, well, what do we name the conference? And then he started listing off all these titles. And and then some of them were, were like funny of like ResCon, like Reservation Conference or um, different types of names. And then then one thing that he put down as a joke was, would Jesus eat fry bread? Because among native tribes, there's um, this thing called fry bread, which is kind of like a sopapilla. It's like this dough that you shape into a circle and there's a hole in the middle and then you you fry it um, in lard or oil, and it's just this yummy um, 2,000 calorie snack. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) Um, And so, um, but a lot of the native tribes have that in common, like everyone has their own version of making their fry bread and stuff. And so, so he was like, we should, should we name it? Would Jesus eat? fry bread and we all laughed and we you know the question is like of course like Jesus would participate in the things that like every every tribe is taking part in or whatever um and so so we were like yeah let's let's name it that and so it started off as a joke but then like the the meaning of it has become way deeper than what we I guess had intended for it to be so we invite um Native students, Native alumni, uh, the Native community to come and 
um, attend this conference. And um, we also have a different way of planning the conference. We have a protocol where we ask permission of the host people of the a city that we're in. And so like this past one was in Phoenix. And so what we do before we even start looking at hotels and making contracts with um, facilities and stuff like that, um, we, we said from the beginning that we're going we're gonna to ask permission from the tribe, um, get their blessing, and then invite them to host us if they would like to. Um, and so that's what we do. We, um, so like a year in advance, we'll, um, one or two people from the design team will go out to, to that tribe and they'll start making the relationship and um, introducing what, um, what Jesus Eat Fry Bread is and, and tell the tribe about who attends and what happens. And then also getting to know their tribe too, like what, what their way of life is and visiting with them. And then um, once the timing is right, then it's kind of like, can, can we have your blessing and having this, this conference on your land? And it's just, it's just a way of like acknowledging the host people of the land um, where, you know, like normally things would just already be in motion, like contracts would be set in place and like hotel reservations would be made, but it's just kind of like giving back, you know, that dignity to, to the host people of the land and saying, acknowledging them and saying like, may we have your blessing. And a ma majority of them are like, yes, like, can we help? And like a lot of those tribes have like fed the students, like they'll, they'll take one night and they'll, they'll feed us their indigenous foods. And so, I mean, like, um, two years ago in Alaska, um, they, uh, the community came and they uh, fed us like whale blubber and um, seal, I think it was. And uh, yeah, so just like food that that's indigenous to them, like they share it with us. And then even in, um, uh, where was that tribe? In Washington, um, they fed us salmon. Um, there's another tribe that fed us deer. Um, yeah, so just like their indigenous foods, they fed us those things um so it's been cool to see like the 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 tribal community um participate and host us and then like students from all over the U.S. um you know like 100 to 150 native college students or native alumni um students that went to went to college but then they keep coming back too because this is just a good time for them to really wrestle with what it means to be to be native to be indigenous and to follow Jesus in their native um, identity so it's been cool just for them to for the design team to really carve out that space for them and to really protect it because they're throughout history there I don't think there's been a time where native people have been free to express their love for Jesus in their you know religious or their their native ways um, because so much of like our drumming or like our dancing was called like pagan or evil or, you know, so it's just like our, our drums were called evil or um, it was not of the Lord or whatever. Um, up until 1973, I think, was the Freedom of Religion wow. Act with Native tribes. And so just up until recently. So like, so it's just... Um, so there hasn't been a time where, where Native people have been given the freedom to express their love for Jesus in the way that they have grown up in their Indigenous culture. 
And so we, we provide that space for students and alumni and staff to, to practice that. And, um, you know, some of it is just shaky. Like, I don't know how to say this in my language, but I'm just going to go for it. And like, and the students are just so encouraging to each other. They're like, do it, like, just do it. And even though they don't fully know their language, but they're really trying, like the students are encouraging each other to just go ahead and do it. And so it's just really cool how they've been really courageous in stepping out in their faith to practice it, even though not all the parts are there. Um, but to lament together that because the parts aren't the parts that aren't there is because it's from this colonization story. And so we're just kind of God is restoring everything and making it new in that space. So it's been cool to just see that all play out. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's what Jesus eat fried bread conference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you'll be speaking at uh, the San Francisco uh, winter conference mm-hmm. MLK weekend. I'll be there Yay. as well. Uh, so looking forward. Yeah. So really excited to be able to get to know um, you more, to hear more about nations and all that God is doing and what it looks like to um, just love God and live out our faith and through relationship people seeing him like fully in our lives. Um, so yeah, just really grateful for you. And um, I wish I could be at your conference also. I, I want to just like hop to all the conferences and see everybody. So I'm just hoping I can go back uh, to videos later and, and see speakers that um, I want to I wanna hear what they're going to share. Um, would you have any other um, last kind of thoughts or anything that you'd want to say before, before we end? Um, I think just even just like having this conversation with you guys, like I'm just really grateful for my native elders you know, who are following Jesus, like just um, a lot of the reasons why I'm able to explain all this stuff to you guys is because because of them, like Uncle Terry LeBlanc, Uncle Richard Twist, who has passed, um, Uncle Randy Woodley, um, uh, just all these Native um, believers of Jesus who have done the hard work of unraveling all this wording and bringing articulation to what I'm feeling because like all the stuff that I'm feeling in here was able to be expressed because of the stuff that they've done like they've become doctors and they have their PhDs and like um, ministry stuff and so like all the fancy words that that I'm probably using is just because of them and the way I'm articulating stuff is because of what they've the hard work they've done and and um the faith that they've they've lived out to say yes like i i can be i am indigenous and i can follow jesus um both and so yeah like as i just talk with you guys like i'm just really grateful for that and uh, hopefully that gives encouragement to listeners out there that even though they feel like they might be um the only one that's so different from whoever they're interacting with that you know as they take steps of faith to follow Jesus in their identity, that, that they are writing the story of, you know, articulation and faith to where they're able to, like, give words to people behind them that are following afterwards, generations after them. 
to like be able to live it out in a way that's like um you know just refreshing and and exciting yeah so well again just thank you so much for your time and being willing to to sit with us and to share personally your story and experience but also um again just this broader scale as well and um i'm sure it could be at times tiring to constantly be one who's sharing insight and teaching and kind of sharing about your cultural perspective and mm -hmm. even just carrying the tension of 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 teaching um but also being a learner mm -hmm. yourself um and so thank you for doing that so graciously with us and allowing us to um be learners in this time um and to just hear your insight and wisdom um is really such a significant thing and i've been able to hear you speak at other conferences and to just be able to sit here with you and be able to talk is significant for me mm -hmm. and i know for for daniel as well like we were just really excited at the thought of being able to talk with you um and daniel's the one that that thought of that and i was like oh my gosh please i would so <laughs> hope that this works out so again just just thank you so much really really grateful yeah thank you for the opportunity thank you for just allowing the space for me to just yeah say all these words yeah <laughs> yeah definitely thank you yeah yeah but yeah thank you so much renee um daniel and i are really grateful um, and to everybody listening, um, we're glad to um, have you be with us um, this season as we've been doing um, these episodes and just introing different aspects of Winter Conference and, and talking to all these wonderful speakers. And um, we hope you enjoy Winter Conference, whichever one you're able to go to. We are excited to hear about your experiences at Winter Conference. And um, this is our last episode for the season until Winter Conference and then um, we'll be taking a break and pick back up again next year. And so we'll see you again soon on Seeking More. Have a great Winter Conference experience. Thanks for listening. To find out more about how you can be a part of Winter Conference, follow us on Instagram or Facebook and check out our website at winterconference.org.